This is episode 10 of the Storm Immortal podcast, uh, which is the English offshoot of a Slovene show I do called Apparatus, which has now turned into a fully-fledged podcast network. So uh, at the urging of my Slovene listeners, I actually have a donation page now, which I've also put up on the English site, so you can go to stormingmortal.com slash support. Every dollar I get, I put into the podcast network, which means buying equipment and all of that stuff. So if you like anything you've heard here, you can go to stormimmortal.com slash support and, you know, any help is appreciated. And just a quick note before we start, uh, for the first three minutes, I sound a little Skypey since I uh, pulled that audio from the backup, but the conversation we had at the, right at the beginning about the height of uh, Marco Arment and John Siracusa was too funny to sort of cut out, so uh, f- I'm sorry for the three sentences where I sound kind of Skypey, and from then on, the audio quality is uh, where I want it to be. So, okay, this is it, episode 10. Yeah, we're going to start soon, I guess. I, I don't really have, like, a jingle or anything. I just... <laughs> I, <laughs> I just I basically have uh, the same first question for all my guests, and that's uh, uh, who are you and what do you do? Sure. So I'm Casey Liss, and you would probably know me as one of the three hosts of the Accidental Tech Podcast, which I do with a couple friends of mine, uh, Marco Arment and John Syracuse. I also did a show with them about cars, a mini series called Neutral. And that went on uh, earlier this year that we're recording in the end of 2013. And then during the day, I'm just a regular corporate stooge working at a small consulting uh, company in Richmond, Virginia, which is about two hours south by car of Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. It's all south of Washington then. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about Virginia later. I have this touristy, <laughs> touristy segment. Where, that sounds you know, good. Every, yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that. But okay, so I guess we should start with the podcasts. Sure. Because uh, that, that's how I found out about you. But uh, so the neutral miniseries. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay, before we go into that podcast, which I thought was great, because oh, yeah, thank you. we'll go into that, yeah, but how tall are you? This is going to sound weird. <laughs> just, just, I, bear with me here. I am somewhere between 5 foot 11 and 6 foot, and I don't know what that is in meters. I guess a little shy of 2 meters, something like that. Well, that yeah, right? 6 feet is, I think that's like a meter and 80 centimeters, I think, because a foot's 30 centimeters, right? Uh, a foot is 12 – oh, in centimeters, I don't know how many it is. So I am 1.8 meters thanks to Google. Okay, yeah. So that's not really that tall. Okay. That's- oh, I'm, I'm a heck of a lot taller than Marco, thank you very much. But I am no John Syracuse. How tall is he then? I believe he's 6'2". So, you know, but I that's had- still not tall. Okay, so I thought – because What you are guys- you, 7 feet? Well, almost. I'm six eight. Are you really? Holy yeah, God. no, I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very tall then. Just kidding. Yeah, no, because you uh, you guys always talk about like you and John being kind of tall, but I guess like then Marco's really really short. Or, well, like... with respect to my dear friend Marco, he is not a tall <laughs> man. He is. I want to say he's somewhere around five six or five eight. So if ah, six okay. two is about one point eight seven meters, then that makes. Five foot six, a meter and a half, a little over a meter and a half. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> okay, so let me like uh, explain why I ask that. Mm-hmm. This is weird. Uh, hey, I was going uh, with it. Yeah, but um, <laughs> the, the, reason, <laughs> the reason I ask is because you guys, well, you like BMWs, mm-hmm. basically. And you own a three series, right? If That's I'm, right. Okay. So... But if you're just a meter and 80 centimeters, then you're, I guess you fit in there. 
Oh yeah, like every so. three series I've sat in, I've basically my knees pretty much wouldn't fit into the car. So how do you find like? But I'll I'll ask you when you drive it. I guess it's fine. But the passenger seat. Like, uh, yeah, I mean anyone that I've had in the car. I'm trying to think. I have a friend who's six six, so that's you know just barely shy. I guess just barely shy of uh, two, of two meters or maybe around two meters. And I've he's never driven my car, and for the life of me, I can't recall if he's been in the front. Certainly, if you're more than six foot six two, I think it would be a little bit of a squeeze. I'm also trying to remember if I I don't believe I have my seat all the way or all the way back, so I think I could come back further. What, what, what I'll have to do is, if I'm ever around John Syracuse with my car, I'll have to throw him in and take a picture for you, um, which actually is – I'm supposed to be seeing him uh, sometime next week with – and we'll be driving up there. So in principle, in a week or so, I can get you a picture of John either shoehorning himself into my car or <laughs> sitting comfortably. We'll see. Okay, that was my one fan question of neutral because I had to ask that because you, you guys – you, you sort of – you know because you guys know how tall – each other, like everybody is, right. you just say tall and short and stuff, and I never <laughs> knew. So right. I'm just sitting there thinking, man, how, how tall, like, because everybody just says Syracuse is really, really tall, and I guess he is, I guess. Well, yes, but, you know. for, for our group, he's very tall. So you're, <laughs> yeah. you're like, uh, Craig Hockenberry, uh, who is Chockenberry on Twitter. He's like 6'8 or something like that. And so whenever uh-huh. you're at WWDC, if you ever want to know where Chalk is, you just look up and he's the only head that's standing above everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, Empire State Building in Manhattan. You know, you just have to look up and that'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, that's that's how we are used basically when we go out. We just will meet at you. That's, yeah, yeah exactly. that's basically how it works. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so the 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 question I wanted to ask you about neutral because you guys actually planned it from the start to be a mini series, which yeah. I guess it's what we're calling it now because there there weren't that many podcasts doing that before that. At least in the tech world, or, or I'm not aware of them. So yeah. how how much of a conscious decision was that from the get go? Uh, it was very conscious. So the history of it is that Marco and John both had wildly successful podcasts of on their own, both on the five by five network. John did hypercritical, which is arguably, maybe not even arguably the best tech podcast that's ever been. And, with that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think Marco would as well. And Marco had build and analyze, which I also adored. Uh, and so they had both, this was around a year ago, almost exactly. They had both. Uh, decided to stop doing their tech podcasts. And at around the time that Marco was starting to wind down, build and analyze, I'd started pestering him about, hey, you know, we should do a car show, you and me. We should do a car show. We should do a car show. And after a while, he started to be like, you know what? We should do a car show. And so, <laughs> so we got to talking about it and, and we decided we didn't think that we had enough material to do a long-running series. And unlike ATP, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, uh, it's not – we never wanted neutral to be about, you know, what car just came out, what has the most horsepower. We wanted it to be very casual, and that's actually what we called it, you know, a casual car podcast. And so around the time that we were really getting serious about trying to figure out how to make neutral work, we found out that John is was also uh, deciding to stop hypercritical. And so Marco said to me, hey, you know what? I wonder if John would get involved in this because he really, really, really likes cars too. And so he asked John and John said, yeah, you know, that sounds good. And we all agreed that since the two of them had just come off these very long running podcasts, I think each of them went about two years or something like that, that we decided, you know what, let's just do it for like eight episodes and and we'll see after eight where we are. 
And this way, John won't get burnt out. Marco won't get burnt out. And we, we know up front that we don't have enough material to really last forever. And so that's what we decided to do. And come episode eight, we still had a few more left in us. And it ended up that Marco and his wife Tiff and myself and my wife Erin ended up going on this trip to Germany to pick up Marco's new BMW. And we thought, you know what, why don't we use that episode, the, the recap of the Germany trip, as the final episode. So the whole arc of neutral was kind of Marco deciding what car to buy and then going ahead and placing the order and then the four of us going and getting it and picking it up. And so it was a very nice arc. So it was 12 episodes in all. And then a month, uh, two months ago, uh, John, excuse me, Marco and friend of the show underscore David Smith and myself um, all decided to go to BMW performance driving school down in South Carolina, which is about a six or seven hour car ride from where I am. And so we figured, you know what, let's just do a neutral special. So we had John, Marco, myself, and, and Dave, and we all did a neutral special. Uh, I guess we actually didn't release it until about a month ago, but we did a special about the BMW driving school experience. And, you know, we've kicked around the idea. Maybe we'll do a season two, maybe not. To be honest, I don't think we will. Uh, you know, ATP takes up quite a bit of time, but we'll see what happens. I really enjoyed neutral. It's very kind of you to say that you liked it. You and I might be the only ones. No, <laughs> no, I, it, you know, no but, uh... Yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, it was funny being at WWDC because at WWDC, which was in June, that's when, you know, all the Apple nerds get together in San Francisco. And, and ATP was a thing at that point. It was starting to get popular. And we would see people in the halls and they would say, oh, hey, you're Casey. You know, I love ATP. <laughs> Neutral's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I weird. think that's because the I don't know what the Venn diagram of you know like absolutely uh, WWDC goers and people who like like really like cars is right. I, I don't know the cross section must be pretty tiny I guess yeah and you know all all kidding aside it, it was it was a lot of fun I, John and Marco and I really enjoyed doing it and it 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 led to ATP which obviously we really enjoy so I, I don't think any of us regret it I think we're very glad we did it. Uh, but it certainly didn't have the legs that ATP had. And so that's why we decided, you know what, we'll be done after 12 episodes plus one special. Yeah, but yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it just because of the casual part of it. Cause it was, you, you guys never really pretended, you know, to, you know, be the, it wasn't hypercritical for cars. Let's, <laughs> no, let's and, say. I, <laughs> and I think that's what upset a lot of people, all kidding aside, is that, you know, here it was, they're used to John who was Mr. Preparation. I mean, he, uh, he spent, hours preparing for hypercritical, getting his notes straight, fact-checking everything. They were almost, I would say, these are my words, not his, they were almost like mini uh, OS ten reviews. You know, he would really spend a lot of time on it. And so when he was willing to just kind of talk off the cuff and all of us got facts wrong constantly, and if you look at the iTunes reviews, you know, some of them are, oh, you know, this is really fun. It's It's great to see guys that are casually interested in cars like me. And then you'll see a lot that are, oh my God, they got this wrong and they got that wrong and they got this wrong and they got that wrong. And I, I, I can't listen to this. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, we'll get to the whole, uh, listener reaction stuff because you had this great segment and the, what, the second to last ATP where you talked about how you guys deal with feedback and stuff. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to that. I want to talk about cars a little more because, <laughs> so, uh, the, like, at one point, at one point during a uh, neutral, you guys basically said you're going to be compared to the Top Gear trio, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how, how big is like the British version of Top Gear over there? Cause. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough question to answer because it, I would tell you it's relatively popular, but 
it, I, I hang out with people that are kind of like-minded. So a lot of my friends also like cars. A lot of my friends also like Top Gear. But I will say that I don't remember how this came to be, but I was at my uh, eye doctor, my optometrist, and I was going for a checkup. And the receptionist, somehow or another, maybe I was wearing the jacket we got at BMW Driving School, so it had you know a, an M logo and BMW Driving School written on it. And I guess maybe she asked me about that, and uh, it, or and so that led somehow led to a discussion about Top Gear. And this was one of the receptionists at the eye doctor. So this is a it was a young lady. This was a person who, if I just looked at her, you know, she didn't strike me as someone who would be a car nut, and she clearly clearly adored top gear and my wife for example not the biggest car not i mean she loves her car but you know not a big car fiend and she really enjoys top gear so i I, it's hard to say i would say it's relatively popular but there there's different levels of enthusiasm so you know i'll make sure that i get the episode when it when it's released as soon as possible by um Whatever means necessary. Um, yeah, I, I will acquire a copy. And uh, actually, in the summertime, uh, we what we do is when the series for the summer comes out, what we'll do is we'll take a what we call a king size sheet, which is basically a big, large sheet that you would put on your bed, and we drape it off the back of our house. And when the sun sets. We'll actually get a projector because a friend of mine uh, has a projector and we'll project the first episode of the summer series onto this sheet that's hanging off the back of our house. So it's kind of like an outdoor movie theater. <laughs> and so we have a bunch of our friends over and we have a couple drinks and have a cookout and you know make burgers and hot dogs and whatnot. And we'll celebrate the return of Top Gear. So we, I take it, my family, Aaron and I, we, my wife and I, we take it really seriously. And you know certainly a lot of our friends have come to expect and enjoy the Top Gear party every year. But in general, I mean, I think some Americans like it, some don't. Yeah, because I, I never got it because it's not it, it's not on BBC America over there, right? I mean, it is, it, but it's like it comes like two years after, like it's not current or <laughs> there's some. That's the way it used to be. Now this ah, past okay. this past series, it was delayed by maybe a week. So really, it wasn't ah, okay. bad. Now what I didn't pay close attention to was whether or not they edited the show because on the BBC. I guess the way it works is the Brits pay a license fee, so the BBC doesn't really have to have very much advertising. Whereas in America, all TV, well, almost all TV, with the exception of like HBO and things like that, almost all TV is advertising uh, uh, sponsored, and so you'll have commercials. And what that means is for an hour-long TV show in America, only about 42 minutes of that is actual content. The other, what is that, 18 minutes is advertisements that's dispersed throughout throughout the show. And so what the BBC America used to do in the past, I'm not sure if they're still doing this, is they would cut segments of the Top Gear episodes in order to squeeze this hour-long, this 60-minute show into just 42 or whatever it is, 42 minutes. And so you would lose some of it. And the other odd thing was the music licensing apparently is different. And so what you'll find is the music that they use, the background music they use in segments – are is different between the UK versions and the and the UK version that's played in America. And that oh, sounds Jesus. silly, but wow. they have such incredible music selections and such great soundtracks and you know the cinematography is so fantastic and that doesn't change, but even the music is very different and that I don't know it just seems disingenuous or it's not genuine if if nothing else. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah, we kind of know that, you know, an hour of uh, American TV is usually 42 because right. we <laughs> Basically, watch most of them by means 
which we won't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. I did not know the, about the music thing. That's yeah, that's even more depressing, I think, because exactly. then it's edited down and like the background music is different. So yeah, right. that's. Yeah, genuine is not the word you'd use, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know, because um, over here, like Top Gear is pretty popular, but like, yeah, like you said, like my girlfriend likes it a lot, but she's not, she couldn't care less about cars, basically. I don't know what it is about that show that sort of transcends the whole, you know, car nut uh, yeah, community, I think. I would agree. It's funny because when I describe it to people who have not seen it, I say, you know, on paper, it, it's a car show, but... Really, I would say it's a comedy show that's just themed around cars, and it's really just three guys screwing around and having fun. Yeah, but they do get to it. Like, every segment they do does have a point. It's right. usually just one point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't get that much in there. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, calling it just a comedy show, I think, kind of sells it short, I think. It's sort of, I don't know. They, they've done something that is sort of hard to la- replicate, I think. That's maybe why the other versions haven't really taken off, I guess. Right, Because right. there, there were plans for a U.S. one, right? But that sort of oh, fell through. Or, no, no. Oh, it's, it, oh there's it, an actual. Oh, I just haven't bothered downloading it then. <laughs> you know, it's well, there were plans. I don't know, maybe three or four years ago now, to do one uh, with which, among other people who were going to host, one of them was Adam Carolla, and I wouldn't expect that you would know who that is, but I, I do know who that oh, is. But most okay. people don't. But yeah, I, I actually do. So of he's the podcast, a, <laughs> right? Oh, okay. So he's a comedian, and he's very, very interested in cars, uh, similar to Jay Leno, but a little bit less famous, even over here. And so I think he would have been a really, really, really great host for Top Gear America. Well, they start, I think it was NBC maybe that started this process. I think they filmed a pilot and then they abandoned it. And so two or three years ago, uh, the History Channel, which is like the Discovery Channel. I'm not sure if either of those things mean anything to you, but yeah, basically. Yeah, we have both. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the History Channel, uh, they decided to create an American Top Gear. And so it's one race car driver, Tanner Faust, uh, who, has done all sorts of different race car driving. It's a commentator, well, not a commentator, I guess, uh, a broadcaster that does NASCAR events, which is our really weird drive in circles (laughs) racing that I don't really understand, but a lot of Americans love. And then, (laughs) and then, uh, uh, who's Adam something or other. I can't remember his name. I think it's Adam, Adam Ferrara, who is another comedian, not the one I was just talking about a different Adam. That's a comedian. And, uh, and he's, He's very – I enjoy him a lot because he's from New York and has that really New York attitude about him. And I'm sure he you know, makes it even worse on purpose just for the cameras. But it's, it's enjoyable as a show as long as you don't compare it to the UK Top Gear. If you compare uh, it to okay. the UK Top Gear, it's absolute rubbish. But if you just take it for what it is, which is you know, a fun show about cars, it really isn't bad. Okay, but yeah, that's that. That was my next question. How does it compare? So, okay, yeah, that you get. I guess yeah, answered that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm gonna ask you. Okay, this is another car question. Then we'll go to ATP. I promise. <laughs> <Alrighty>. but, <laughs> hey, I'll well, do cars all night. I'm fine yeah, with that. Like uh, I've just I've been to the states once, 
So I, I, I was just in New York, which doesn't really count, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, you know what I mean? That's not really America. That's Europe with Americans, I think. But, uh, so I never drove any cars, but like, is it, is it true that like basically every American car is really crappily made inside? Like the interior, <laughs> the plastic. No, I'm sure. I know that sounds like no, no, I'm no. joking, but I know no, what you mean. because you, you actually live there and I guess you're a car guy. So I'm actually asking. That's a genuine question. Yeah. So I think that if you were to listen to Top Gear, the UK version of Top Gear, and if you listen yeah. to what they say about American cars, I think they're right, but it's overblown. So yes, the inside is pretty crummy by comparison to Japanese or European cars. Um, they don't handle typically as well as Japanese or European cars, but it's not it's not that bad. And consider also that, you know, we get the same focus that you guys do, or that, certainly that the UK does. You know, the Ford Focus ST is here. And that's odd uh -huh. because for a long time, Ford had really compelling, really wonderful models in the UK that we didn't get. Or if we got them, they were neutered and terrible and awful versions of what was really great in the UK. And so – they're getting better. I mean, I think the crisis, the Detroit crisis uh, from, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago now, where almost every car company in America almost went bankrupt, I think that sort of straightened them out, but it's it's hard. I've, I've read a report recently that you know they, they started – all the car manufacturers here started making a, a crud load of SUVs or you know kind of big American truck-like things, which we all love for some crazy reason, but nobody else in the world can afford <laughs> to drive because they're, they use a million gallons of fuel to go yeah. you know, two inches. And so you know they, the, the reason I bring this up is because apparently they're starting to fall into their old ways of, oh, you know, gas isn't that expensive or petrol. I'm not sure which term you guys use, but you know, petrol isn't that expensive, so let's make SUVs again. And that's kind of what got us in that mess in the first place where nobody would buy American cars. Because gas got expensive and then nobody wanted a big SUV with a seven liter V8 that take, you know, gets 14 miles a gallon. And I, I'm not even going to try to do that conversion to. <laughs> yeah, no, to, yeah to, I was metric. about to say that. <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, the, the, the SUVs are kind of, I don't know. Uh, they're not, they're like nobody has them here basically. I, I think uh, you see a couple of them here and there, but like I'm talking about the American brands. I think like the most I see are like the American embassy cars. I think that's <laughs> if I see like a big Chevy or a, sure. some weird Ford that I've never seen, it's usually like has a diplomatic license plates, basically. Right. Which makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But we do have like BMWs that are taxi cabs here. So, you know, that kind of, that's, that, that's usually weird. Any, any like American that's come here usually points that out. But yeah, that is like very, very weird because for the longest time, our taxi cabs were uh, Ford Crown Victorias, which if you don't know what that is, but you've ever seen an American movie made in the last 15 oh, the, years, it's a cop car. It's a cop car. And so that's what most of our taxi cabs were. And when, when we were in Munich, of course, uh, most of them, I believe, were Mercedes, despite the fact that we were in Munich. And when I, when I was in Greece a few years ago, my wife and I were in Greece for a wedding, and most of those taxis were Mercedes. And the other interesting thing about that was there were Mercedes that actually had a standard transmission, had a stick which you never see in America. Pretty much every Mercedes you can possibly buy has an automatic, which is why I'll never, ever buy a Mercedes. <laughs> so oh, seriously, I did not know that. You mm -hmm. be, oh, okay. 
That's yeah, because yeah, I couldn't. I've tried to drive like an automatic a couple of times. I just, I don't, I don't know. Doesn't feel like driving to me. I agree. I yeah, it's more yeah. riding than it is driving. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. But okay, so okay, we're, we're done with cars now because this is yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't know how to segue into ATP now. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> so okay. The accidental tech, tech podcast, right? Is now, like, it's you guys, and then I listen to Bionic, which I know you, you've, uh, you're a recent listener of, mm-hmm. uh, and then, uh, the menu bar, which I don't know if you've heard of it, but. I've heard a, of it, I've not listened to it though. Alright, so, you, like, those are the three American podcasts that I have in my, you know, uh, pocket casts playlist that automat, uh, downloads the episodes automatically. So, mm-hmm. uh, ADP. Right. So you're the third guy, basically. That. That's because I, I I didn't know how to ask this question. But like like you said before, like John and Marco had like really well in the tech world, pretty big, big podcast before. Sure. Right? So how was that? Like, because neutral was a car thing and that's sort of different. But here you're talking about tech stuff most of the time. So how how intimidating or was it not intimidating when you started out? Yeah, it was very intimidating. You know, when when we first started Neutral, it was it was somewhat intimidating because I'd never done a podcast before. I didn't know if, you know, 5 people, 500, 5,000, 50,000 people would listen to Neutral and and I think part of the reason that I was able to get into it and kind of get in the flow of Neutral so quickly was because the first two episodes of Neutral we recorded in one night and when we started, we said, "Oh, you know, let's just start talking and we'll record our you know, audio, but we'll expect that we're going to throw this away and that we're not going to keep it. We're not going to release it, but let's, you know, at least see if we can talk to each other. Well, if we get along on the, on a podcasting sense. And so I didn't really think much of it. And if you listen back to the first couple of neutrals, because I thought it was just us, I swore like a sailor. I was saying terrible, <laughs> I was saying terrible, awful, you know, words all the time. And I think because of that, that actually helped ease me into podcasting. Now, in terms of ATP, it was, it, it, it started accidentally. I mean, that's not a, that's not a joke. The, the, the name of the show is Accidental Tech Podcast because it started accidentally. What would happen was after neutral stopped recording. I mean, well, we were still recording, but we knew that the neutral portion of the evening had ended. You know, we'll hang on for a few minutes and just kind of talk to each other. And inevitably, if you put three developers, uh, in next to each other, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about tech related things. And so the first few episodes of, what became ATP were really just us kind of goofing off talking about tech stuff. And then Marco released, I believe he put them up on SoundCloud or something like that. And it started to feel to us and we started to get, to get some feedback from those who knew about it that it was pretty good. And so we decided, you know what, let's let neutral run its course like we talked about earlier. But after that, let's, let's make ATP a thing. And that's very intimidating because I feel like uh, not that I don't know about tech things, but I, I felt okay doing a casual car podcast. <laughs> and between the three of us, I think I wouldn't say I know the most about cars, but I, I certainly don't know the least. Whereas it's very intimidating standing next to Marco and John talking about tech, tech related things. And I am a developer by trade. You know, I, I write code every day. That's what I do. Uh, I know, I feel like I know a lot about the industry. I know I have a lot of strong opinions about things, but 
it is very intimidating to stand next to giants. And I, and I don't mean that in the literal sense, of course. Well, except for John, he is pretty tall. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you stand next to these two people, it's, it's hard not to be scared and not to wonder, you know, do I really belong here? But I just trudge through. And if you listen to early ATPs, you'll find that I, I say very little. And sometimes, like we recorded last night for, uh, for this week's episode, and it just so happened that I didn't have a whole lot to add to the conversation. And so I didn't talk a tremendous amount last night. And then there's other times where I do have a lot to add, and I will talk a lot. But no matter what, I just kind of fell into the role of kind of being the showrunner. And not to say that I'm the boss, but Oftentimes, I'll kind of try to point the conversation in a certain direction or try to move us between topics because, you know, with John and Marco, they both have tremendous amounts of things to say about pretty much everything. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes they need a little nudge in the right direction to, to keep the conversation flowing. And, and that's what I tend to find myself doing, even if I don't have a particular opinion about whatever we happen to be talking about. Yeah, but I, I was actually going to comment on that because, yeah, that, that role sort of fits you because you, you basically, well, I, I sort of see it as you cutting Marco off most of the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, maybe not cutting him off, but right. sort of preempting him, preempting him when, you know, you, you basically know what he's going to say. So you just give John a chance to, right, you know, right. <laughs> kind of jump in there. But no, that's actually kind of, you know, I have a little radio background and, um, that's actually sort of an important part of that show, I think. Because if it was just, you know, three guys that wanted to talk, it'd get weird, I think, at, at that point. So it's nice to have that anchor. I think that's what Dan was on the five by five shows, you know? Yeah, was absolutely. That, you know, so you sort of fit somewhere in there. But okay, and the next thing I wanted to ask you, so the, I'm going to say fame, right? And we, we <laughs> kind of exchanged a couple of emails there. But how, how have you been handling that? Because people actually didn't know you now. You're just talking to a guy from Slovenia who, you know, you, we're not supposed to be talking to each other. You know, that. Like, <laughs> this is weird. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, through the magic of the internet. Through but, the magic but, of the internet. Yeah. So how, how, how has that been? You, you know, know, it's been, it's been tremendous in, in the best possible way. It's been extremely humbling and extremely flattering. And, and I've, I've really been very, very lucky, but it, it, it's been weird. It's been extremely weird in, in a good way, not in a bad way. I don't mean to be complaining, but it's odd. It's, it's peculiar. When I was, um, when I was on my way to WWDC, I met up with underscore and because he lives right by, uh, the big airport in Washington, DC, which is what I was flying out of. And so we ended up, you know, meeting up and, and, and going to sit in the terminal together waiting for our flight. And as I was talking to underscore, all of a sudden I see out of the corner of my eye, somebody who's sitting with his back to my back, this person turned around and kind of looked at me a little funny. And I just kept on talking to underscore. And then he said, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but are you Casey? <laughs> said, yes. Oh, well, I just, I happen to recognize your voice from the podcast. I just want to tell you, I really enjoy ATP. It's a really good show. And I don't know who this gentleman was. I, I couldn't tell you, but he was very, very nice. And it was extremely nice of him to say something, but I must have looked like he was a ghost or something, or I had just seen, <laughs> I had just seen an alien because to my, I believe that was the first time I was ever recognized in public for really any reason in my entire life, you know? And so imagine you're sitting in the airport and somebody, you know, a couple of feet away from you says, Hey, I know you from your voice. And that's just so odd. And again, it's not a bad thing. I'm not complaining. It was just, it was wild. And it's only happened to me 
a handful of times outside of things like WWDC, uh, Singleton, which I went to a few months ago. You know, in day to day life, it's only happened a, a handful of times. Uh, but nevertheless, it's different. And, you know, silly things have changed a lot. Like I have a whole bunch more Twitter followers than I ever had before. <laughs> and that sounds like a humble brag, but I bring that up because when you ask a question to a few hundred Twitter followers, you may get crickets in response. You know, you might get nothing back. Yeah. If you ask a question to a few thousand Twitter followers, you're going to get an answer. And in fact, you might even get more answers than you wanted. And so, <laughs> and so it's, it's a very different, very weird, but wonderful, wonderful thing. And at first, I almost felt guilty about it because I almost felt like I was riding on Marco and John's coattails. And I, I, if you think about it logically, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I was one third of both shows, but nevertheless, nobody knew who I was. But I'm starting to accept the fact that, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I actually am okay on my own, you know, and it's not, so, and I'm not such a terrible guy. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, I think that's the, the, the right way to look at it. You're a third of that show. Like, but yeah, they, I, I see what you mean because they brought, like, they have a lot of baggage in that space, I guess. Right, right. With the, the former podcasts. But okay, so I just, um, wanna talk about that whole, I think it was after the ATP episode, I guess, the, you know, the after dark show or whatever mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. guys call it. <laughs> when you talked about the, the feedback, you know, the people that, uh, actually sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess, are mean? Is that a fair enough word to use or? Yeah, you know, I, I would assume that this translates for you guys as well, but you know, a, a lot of times we'll refer to them as trolls. So people who, yeah. who are just kind of maybe not mean, but certainly not nice and oftentimes say or ask things that really aren't productive, that really don't add anything. And so we, after episode, I think it was 41 of ATP. Yeah. Uh, we, so generally speaking, if you, if you haven't listened to the show, we'll do, you know, an hour to an hour and a half, uh, and then we'll play our little theme song that our friend Jonathan wrote. And then typically what we'll end up doing is we'll put some of the stuff that we talk about after we kind of, you know, let a, let a breath out and kind of relax a little bit. And we'll put some of that in after the theme song. And so that's what we did in this particular episode. We just so just happened to get talking about uh, criticism on the internet and, and how, you know, it, it hurts when somebody says, man, you're an idiot. Or, you know, there's a, if you look at the uh, iTunes reviews in America for ATP, there's someone who will continually update their review to say in some way or another, you know, I really wish there was an option to download ATP without Casey in it. And, and they, <laughs> yeah. they edit this review constantly in order to show or in order to keep it fresh and near the top. And, you know, I see that and that hurts, you know, that, that doesn't make me feel good about me. It doesn't make me feel awesome. But, you know, what we talked about on the show is you can't let, you can't let that rule your life. You can't let that bother you because in the end of the day, there's a bunch of people, thousands of people that do like the show and all of it. And they like me as much as they like everyone else. And so you can't let yourself get bothered by it, but it's hard, you know, and it's funny because any, anyone who says, oh man, I really love the show. You know, that's like, great. I'm excited for that. Thank you. That's really awesome. But when somebody yeah. says, you know, I wish I had an option not to download the, or to download a version that doesn't have Casey in it, man, that sticks with you. <laughs> it hurts. And so we got kind of got to talking about that. And, and it was, it was helpful. It was cathartic. It was kind of group therapy. So we weren't sure if it was going to be well received, but it, it ended up that a lot of people came out of the woodwork to say that they really appreciated it. And, and we appreciated that. It was really nice to hear. 
Yeah, because I think that that was a nice phrase, you know, came out of the woodwork. Like the people that actually like the show are usually silent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you'll get like a couple of people here and there, but like there's a the silent majority that usually just you know like enjoys the show but never really says anything. Right, and you've yeah. got to you've got to run into this yourself because uh, from everything I understand, your shows are are very popular in in your homeland, and so you've got to run into not only being recognized, I would imagine, but also you know dealing with some of this criticism and and it's got it i don't know how you feel about it but it it's hurtful yeah i don't know it just kind of you know but it's you see that the numbers here are so much smarter because like slovenia has two million people that's mm -hmm. it that's the whole country right, right. so <laughs> when you have like a niche thing like a podcast you know i i can like you know uh, like i can count like the critics are like maybe i uh, well uh, i need like three hands but that's pretty much <laughs> You know, no, but it, yeah, I, I do get what you mean. Cause, but like, I, every once in a while, I'll get like an email that's like two pages of just positive stuff, basically. And that sort of kind of, you know, uh, I guess vindicates every crappy thing you get. Right, right. I think. And that, that's sort of what you need to focus on. And that's why I like that discussion. Cause you guys said, yeah, well, it hurts and stuff. But I, I sort of, I don't know. Marco said this thing that he sort of, uh, he, his skin got thicker, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, that he's handling it a little better while he's blocking people on Twitter. But, you know, that's a <laughs> different thing. But I think, I think that's what happens. I think maybe in a couple of years, you'll be the same way. You'll just, you know, not be irked as much. Yeah. But yeah, but also I like disclaim, I have, I think like 82, uh, iTunes reviews. No, I think it's like more than 90. And I think I have like two, four star reviews and everything else is five stars ah, so maybe you're just yeah, doing maybe, a better job than we are that's what it is maybe i'm not the guy to you know oh i'm just <laughs> i'm gonna get a one-star review just yeah this i just brought it on yeah you did it. you just <laughs> opened the door <laughs> but um yeah I just, I just i just wanted to say that was like my, my favorite 40 minutes of atp yet and it wasn't about tech i guess yeah you know and it's funny because well firstly thank you and it, it's funny because you know john said a, a couple times during the discussion oh no Nobody wants to listen to this. Nobody wants to hear about this. This is we're, we're a tech podcast, and we're not we're you know we're talking about feelings and, and what's that about? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, to be honest, that's actually my favorite segment that we've done on AT, on ATP so far, and uh, we've had great conversations about technical topics. But in the end of the day, technical topics, especially in this particular industry, they they kind of go away. You know, the new Mac Pro that's coming out any day now at the time we're recording this. Eventually, that's not going to be new anymore. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, nobody's really going to care. But feelings, as silly as it sounds, they stick with you and they last forever. Even after ATP ends, I'm going to remember what it felt like to have random strangers on the internet tell me that I'm an idiot. I'm going to remember what it feels like to have random strangers in the real world come up to me and say, excuse me, but I really love your show. And I will remember that feeling forever. And so it's a far less ephemeral thing to talk about. And, and that's why I think it was a really great segment. Yeah. Okay. We're just gonna, okay. We're gonna go to the last part of this interview because you ended that way, like way too nice. For <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, anything I would have said would just be piling on and I'm just gonna, you know, we're gonna get teary eyed and stuff. So, <laughs> okay. We're gonna do the whole tourist portion now. Sure. Which is, you know, what's it like in what, Richmond, Virginia? Is that mm -hmm. right? Like, yep. Yeah, just like, what's it like that, I guess? So I, I can't speak for anywhere else in the world. I can't even speak for the West Coast of the United States. But on the East Coast of the United States, where I am, 
there's the very northeast, the extreme northeast, which is like Maine and Vermont, New Hampshire, and these places that are by and large relatively rural. Uh, a lot of a lot of great outdoors activities, a lot of great countryside, um, but not a lot of population. Then you move into New England, which is you know the Boston area, New York, uh, Philadelphia, and places like that. And you would, you know, we would refer to that as the Northeast or New England. And that's where I would say my home is. I grew up in uh, New York and Connecticut, uh, not New York City, but the state of New York near the city. And Connecticut is a very, very, very small state nearish New York, uh, New York City. Well, it's near several things, but among other things, New York City. <laughs> and so anyway, so. The northeastern United States, northern northeastern United States, has a tendency to be very quick. Uh, the people there have a tendency to have um, kind of a, a reputation of being a little kind of jerks. And I'm not saying I'm, I don't think that because I grew up there, and, and I think it's just that. For as a silly example, when you're in a grocery store, or supermarket, or whatever you want to call it, and you're in the Northeast, if you're in New York or Connecticut. When you're in the grocery store, there is almost no chance that you will talk to anyone except the cashier that's ringing you up when you want to leave, when you pay for your stuff. And once you cross around a little bit south of Washington, D.C., in Virginia, once you cross this kind of invisible line, you start to get into what I would call the south. And in the south, everyone is very friendly. Things move a little bit slower. And if you go to the grocery store, there's a 50-50 chance that some stranger at the grocery store is going to have some sort of brief conversation with you. Not because <laughs> I'm me, just, hey, do you know, uh, would you mind if I ask you which one of these cheeses do you like the most? I'm having trouble deciding. And that's not a bad thing. But as someone who grew up in the Northeast where you never hear any of that, everyone minds their own business and leaves everyone else alone, being down in what's sort of kind of the South – it's very different. And what's weird about Richmond is that if you look at the state of Virginia, it's kind of in the center of Virginia. And I would tell you that the northern part of Virginia, which is where D.C. is, that's still kind of the northeast. And the southern part of Virginia, that to me is the south, where everything is really slow. And everyone's really friendly, but everything's really slow. And Richmond is in this like center section, which has a little bit of both. It has some of the charm and the, and the nice things, like the nice people of the South, but it, it moves a little quicker. You know, it's, it's a little faster than you would find in the very southern parts of Virginia. And what's also interesting is Richmond actually was the capital of the Confederacy during the American Civil War. So, okay. I did yeah, not <laughs> so in, in the short, short version of that story is, well, depending on where you grew up, you, you get taught differently. As someone from the Northeast, I got taught that the South wanted to have slaves and the North didn't. And we fought about it and we won. If you ask you know, my wife who grew up in Richmond, they would say that the North was being oppressive and evil and they happened to have won the war. So, <laughs> they happen to have. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, it's odd because Richmond is kind of this melting pot. Yet it's strictly speaking the the capital of the South. It's the capital of the South of the Confederacy, and so it's a very interesting and odd place. And so Richmond is not a big city by any stretch of the imagination. I think, I think the whole Richmond metro area is maybe a million people. And I know you said Slovenia has only two million, but <laughs> yeah. you know, by American standards, that's not very big. I mean, New York is I don't know the actual New York City is probably several million, if not 10 million, and the New York metro area is probably 10 or 20 million. Yeah. Um, but Richmond is reasonably small by those standards. Okay, nice. <laughs> the, the sort of one 
comment. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the south sort of one. That's, yeah. <laughs> the north, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, okay. So then I have to ask you about your hardware and software since this is sort of a tech show. Sure. So uh, I guess which computer and phone and tablet and stuff. Sure. So um, speaking to you on a, I believe it's a late 2011 uh, MacBook Retina. Well, let me try that again. It is a late 2011 non-Retina MacBook Pro 15-inch with the high-res anti-glare display. So it was as close as you could get to a Retina before there was a Retina. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it served me very well. Uh, it it's got an SSD in it, and this is my work computer. Sitting to its left is basically its twin brother, which is my personal computer, except it doesn't have an SSD, and so it's pretty much unusable. <laughs> and, <laughs> And uh, my phone is an iPhone 5S. Uh, I don't know how it is in Slovenia, but in America, you get uh, subsidized phones. So we pay one or two hundred dollars, maybe three hundred dollars for a phone, and then you sign this two-year contract. So yeah. basically, you know, we get a loan from our wireless provider and we pay it off throughout the contract. Is that how it works there? Yeah, but the iPhone's usually the most expensive phone. Right. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we get subsidized phones. You can sure. get like pr- pretty great deals, but the iPhone's sort of special, I guess. So. Yeah. Yep, the yeah. same way it is here. And so the, the good news is that this year was a good year. So I have a 64 gig uh, space gray iPhone 5S, which makes me extremely happy. And then come next year, when presumably the six comes out, it will be an off year for me because we do two year contracts and I'll be miserable because I won't want to spend the money to, you know, the almost thousand dollars to get a off contract iPhone. And all my friends who often, many of whom do, you know, iOS development for a living, they'll all get them Marco and underscore and so on. And I'll be very, very jealous. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I just recently got myself a uh, 32 gig space gray retina iPad mini that's uh, on the Verizon LTE network and my phone is on AT&T. So between the two of them, hopefully something will have internet access if I need it. <laughs> is it that bad? No, 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 no. It, no, it's not. I, I joke. Um, you know, AT&T, when the iPhone first came out, and even when I got my first iPhone, which was the 3GS, AT&T, when you were on like a major interstate, which is, you know, our big highways, um, and when you're on an interstate or in a big city, AT&T was great. But if you got off the beaten path in any direction, AT&T was terrible. And at the time, Verizon had towers everywhere. And so with time, I would say it's actually mostly evened out. If you get somewhere really crazy, you're probably going to want Verizon. But anywhere that I usually travel, AT&T is usually just fine. Oh, okay. I would have thought it was the other way around, that AT&T was everywhere. And then Verizon sort of had to build it out. Sort of that was my impression, I guess. Yeah, not anymore. Oh, okay. Because over here, we have like a national telecom, basically, mm-hmm. that used to be, you know, state-owned. Well, it still is. So ah, it's a weird, complicated thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they basically built out the network pretty well. And then we have a private telecom, that's which, which I'm on, which is the same. You know, in the cities, it's pretty great. And like, as soon as there's no highways, yeah, you're pretty much screwed. Right. <laughs> but well, it's getting be, better. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, AT&T, despite being called American Telephone Telegraph, it actually is not state-owned. And to my knowledge, never ever was. Uh, it's in fact, it's very rare that you'll see a state-owned company in any capacity. The only thing I can think of is the postal service is this weird thing where it's it's a private company, but 
it has to answer to our governing bodies. And I, and I think like the United States government pays for or subsidizes a lot of their work. And it, it's this weird kind of amalgam of sort of private, but sort of not. But accepting that, like we don't have a BBC or an ABC, I guess. Um, yeah. we don't, we don't have an, a, a national telecom network or anything along those lines. Well, yeah, you're, you're Americans, you know, you're, that's, that would be socialism, basically, <laughs> which, right. which is what it was over here. You know? so, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, and then the software, which, which is, I preface uh, this question always with, you know, the apps you actually use on your phone and your iPad, like not the stuff you have installed at school, but the right. stuff you actually use. <laughs> right. So uh, I can't live without TweetBot. Um, I enjoy Twitter far too much. Uh, I never understood it for the longest time. I joined in, I think, late 2008. And I, uh, at the time, I thought Twitter was all about telling people when you poop. But uh, <laughs> as, it <turns> <laughs> out, as it turns out, it's actually really great for conversation. And so I can't live without TweetBot. Um, Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R for RSS. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to use underscore David Smith's uh, Feed Wrangler service to power Reader. Um, I love also Pod Wrangler, which is underscores podcast app. <laughs> uh, One Password. Uh, I actually have a beta of an app, and I think I'm allowed to say the name of it. And if not, we'll just have to pretend I never did. It's called GIF Wrapped, and it's by a friend of mine who does the Mobile Couch podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who goes by Jelly, uh, or his real name is Daniel Farrelly. And that's coming out very shortly. In fact, it might be out by the time that you release this show. And that's all for taking a folder in your Dropbox that holds all your animated GIFs and sharing them with friends, which sounds really stupid and lame, but it's uh, for someone who really enjoys animated GIFs way too much. It's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, <laughs> you'll, you'll have to look for that when it comes out. And, and Jelly, if I wasn't supposed to talk about it, I'm sorry. But um, I also love Instagram. Uh, I use Check the Weather for Weather. I'm just looking at my very first page of my... Uh, oh, yeah. I actually follow you on Instagram. The, oh. uh, the Christmas lights houses thing that was, <laughs> I just, I, I'm not going to even, yeah, <laughs> that was, that, that, that's a uniquely Richmond thing. So for, in <laughs> case you're not aware, there's there in, in the town in which I live in Richmond, uh, it's uh, 20 years ago, it started to be a thing where some families would put literally tens of thousands of lights on their house for Christmas. And, you know, a few people did it and then a few more people did it and a few more people did it. And so now what happens is every Christmas, you know, maybe a hundred or two hundred families in the area will put these tremendous amounts of sometimes a hundred thousand lights on their homes. So many that they usually have to get the electrical company to come out and give them like another line from, from the street in order to power all these lights. And some of them are synchronized with, you know, a radio station that they're broadcasting out of the house. And it's really crazy. And so it's called the tacky lights tour. Tacky being a, you know, colloquialism for something that's kind of lame and silly. And yeah. so, you know, what, what we'll do is, you know, limo companies in the area will offer a tacky lights tour where you get a bunch of your friends together <laughs> and you get into a limousine and you bring usually a cooler full of you know some sort of fun adult beverage and you drink your way across richmond as you're looking at all these lights and so uh, a few friends and i did that i guess it was two weekends ago and i posted a couple of pictures to instagram and maybe, yeah. can, maybe you can throw one in the show notes but you know, yeah, i'll, I'll I, put a link <laughs> if i were to describe american excess in one picture it would either be one of our ridiculous suvs or one of these ridiculous houses. <laughs> I, I think the house is better because that's just, you know, 
So throwing money out the window, basically. It, it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's all kidding aside. It's a really beautiful, really wonderful thing to do to kind of bring you into the Christmas spirit. But I totally got you sidetracked, and I'm sorry. So uh, the, other, the only other thing on my phone and iPad that I think I use a lot that I should mention is Evernote. Uh, I, I don't use it as much as some people, but there's I would certainly be – somewhat lost without it so i should bring yeah, that up as well oh same, and i'm sorry and fantastical fantastical is also wonderful okay and then my last question which is also always the same if you had to like uh mention one thing that sort of had an impact on your life and it has to be a physical object not like your grandmother's you know <laughs> what mm-hmm. would that be like something that you, you might still have it you might not have it anymore what would that one thing be you know, that's a really good question. And I, and I have listened to at least one or two episodes of the show and I should have paid attention at the very end to, to prepare my own answer. But I would, I would say, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but the, the PC or IBM DOS, I think it was version like 3.3 or something like that. The manual for, uh, for DOS 3.3 or whatever it was. And I say that because when I was very little, when I was, I don't know, 10 years old or so, I, I couldn't tell you exactly. I would want to play a game on my dad's computer or, or, or whatever. And I would have to say to dad, Hey dad, can you help me start? I don't even know what game it was. You know, can you help me start wing commander? Or can you help me start Carmen San Diego? And he would say, Oh, just, just, yes. All right. Hold on. And not that my dad's a bad guy, but he, you know, he was usually doing work on a different computer or he was, you know, busy when I would ask him this and, you know, whether or not you have kids, I presume you know how that is. And so eventually he said, you know what? Just, just read the book, man. You know, just, why don't you just read the DOS book and then you can figure this out for yourself. And again, my dad's a super nice guy. I'm not trying to paint him in a bad way, but you know, after being pestered constantly for months, I would say the same thing. And so eventually I sat down and I read as a 10 year old or whatever I was, the DOS like 3.3 or whatever manual. And I don't know if I understood very much of it at all, but I understood enough that it really got me to sort of use a computer or to really use a computer rather than feel like the computer was this big, big, well, at that time, huge beige box that I didn't know how to operate. Um, And that kind of changed my whole life as silly and as cliche as that sounds. After that, you know, it was a hop, skip and a jump away from writing really crazy batch files in DOS in order to start games. You know, I had like a whole menuing system that would, depending on what game you would run, it would or wouldn't install a mouse driver. It would or wouldn't install a CD-ROM driver and and so on and so forth. And then after that, you know, we started playing with QBasic and somehow or another I came up with a QBasic compiler so I could build executables on my own, which was wild. And <laughs> around the time I met Marco, we, I, one of us, it might have been me, but I'm not sure, came up with a Visual Basic 1.0 compiler and i remember vividly as kids that mark when i would sit and write choose your own adventure games using visual basic one and so all of that if you think about it kind of comes back to me reading the book me reading the dos book also that was an awesome and i've never gotten that for an answer so you know even in the slovene show so that's <laughs> <laughs> that a great uh, casey this is pretty much it thanks for doing this hey honestly, thank you no it, it's an honor and it's it's wild to think that anyone anywhere in the world, let alone all the way over in Slovenia, would, ha- would care at all what I have to say. So it's, it's extremely humbling, and I'm very thankful for, for the opportunity. So thank you. That was episode 10 of the Storming Mortal podcast. Uh, the show notes can be found at stormingmortal.com slash 10. I can be found on Twitter at AtomicXX. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. And if you have the means, you can support the show and a full 
podcast network in Slovenia if you go to stormimortal.com slash support. That's pretty much it until next time. Thanks for listening and bye. That was episode 10 of the Storming Mortal podcast. Uh, the show notes can be found at stormingmortal.com slash 10. I can be found on Twitter at AtomicXX. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. And if you have the means, you can support the show and a full podcast network in Slovenia if you go to stormimmortal.com slash support. That's pretty much it. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye.